Lisa Kay, connecting the community on Talk of the Town. It's that time once again on Talk of the Town where we check in with our ag specialist, Kent Tesey from Minstar Bank. Our uh, Talk of the Town, all focused on ag today. How you doing, Kent? We're doing great. We uh, had some rain since the last time I talked to you, and now we do not. <laughs> I guess, though, so. who yeah. would we be if we're not talking weather, right? Right. Well, it's been uh, kind of an interesting uh, month of May and early June here, uh, weather-wise, but also uh, from crop condition-wise. Uh, cert- uh, <clears throat> as we talked a month ago, uh, we were hoping for good weather to get in the field, and uh, fortunately, we did get a little string of good weather there where we got quite a bit of corn planted uh, during the first week of May, and then uh, all of a sudden things turned, and uh, we started uh, getting rain, and pretty soon we got too much rain in a lot of areas, and some of that rain came really hard, and uh, um, for a lot of areas uh, was way too much rain. We we had been fairly dry last fall and early this spring, so the first few inches of rain got pretty well absorbed into the soil, but... Uh, once we reached capacity of the soil, of course, then uh, uh, there was nowhere to go. We had a lot of standing water in fields. We had uh, certainly rivers and streams out of their banks and even some flooding issues on some of the major rivers, including the Minnesota River. So uh, we saw all of that happen and a uh, big variation out there. Uh, I know uh, at Wasika at the outreach center there, I think... Uh, for the, uh, they measured over six inches of rain from the 6th to the 15th of May, but there were certainly areas across uh, south-central Minnesota that had 8 to 12 inches of rain, mm. and some had 4 or 5 inches in one rainfall. And uh, the result was uh, we certainly had uh, some long delays in getting back in the field to plant. Many farmers not able to get back in until uh, the last week of May to uh, plant their soybeans and finish planting corn. And then we also had a lot of crop damage from that. Uh, some of the corn that was planted drowned out due to standing water. And even in areas that didn't drown out, uh, some of that corn that was planted right before those heavy rains, uh, the, the cr- ground kind of crusted and uh, the soils were just so wet and saturated that the corn actually sprouted and kind of rotted in the ground so uh, thousands of acres of corn had to be uh, uh, reworked and replanted in late May so they lost probably three weeks of planting time and really some good growth time with the warm weather uh, due to those conditions so uh, certainly an interesting start I think for a lot of farmers across the region uh, uh, later plant compared to a year ago or compared to normal later than normal planting especially for soybeans and the later planted corn and then you know a year ago uh, some people said well we, it's very similar to a year ago In some respects yes because we uh, did plant we did get most of the corn planted last year though by uh around the 20th of May, and we didn't have the drown-out damage because everything planted came up, grew good, and this year, uh, very uneven stands of corn in some cases, uh, uneven fields, there'll be some nice fields and some that are really struggling out there uh, uh, because now what's happened, of course, we've had, following all that rain, we've had the very warm temperatures, probably 8 to 10 degrees above normal, mm-hmm. uh, some, some days <laughs> even warmer than that. 
and really very little rain, very spotty rain. So those areas that have been missing some of these rains, uh, the same areas that had the standing water and drownout damage are now dealing with dry topsoil conditions and uh, with some uh, later planted crops struggling to emerge and some that has emerged uh, really needing a, a good drink of water from some rainfall to keep it going. It is really strange how some areas got so much. Like you said, the, the rain was so variable, causing that replanting to have to happen in some areas. And now here we are, just like, can we just get a little bit of rain? How much rain is good? <laughs> yeah, well, that's the problem. Uh, these The rainfall events here in the last 10 days have been really spotty. Some areas uh, catch a nice rain, but they're very localized. A few miles away, they uh, either get a tenth of an inch or very little and and with the warm temperatures we've had uh, that top few inches of soil dries out very quickly and takes a while for uh, growing corn and soybean plants to kind of get down into some good moisture to keep them going and the dry area that last week uh, the on Friday the drought monitor that came out from USDA uh, uh, the the USDA drought monitor showed that uh, there's really a growing area of uh, dry weather condition. There's an area of moderate to extreme drought that's, uh, while the states like Kansas, Nebraska, Missouri, Oklahoma have continued in drought from last year, but it shows kind of a moderate drought area that's really expanded in the western third of Iowa and more basically the whole state of Nebraska and southeast South Dakota and even hooks into the southwest corner of Minnesota. Mm. And then they got an abnormally dry area that really covers the entire uh, corn belt from uh, Iowa and Wisconsin clear over to through Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, and, in, and also includes uh, central and northwest Minnesota. So about the only area that wasn't in there was the state of North Dakota, northern South Dakota, and then kind of down through our area, which, uh, again, certain parts of our area you could probably say are kind of getting to that area, that too. Of course, this was done last week, and over the weekend, very little rainfall. So I noticed yesterday as I <clears throat> traveled across southern Minnesota, um, there's a lot of areas where you're starting to see stress. And, you know, I guess uh, for those non-agriculture people, you first notice that when you drive down the road and you see brown lawns in early June, that's usually an indicator. Or you see uh, plants that haven't been watered that are showing stress. But certainly there, there's some stress starting to show on some of these hot days in the cornfield. Now, the, the good news is uh, it sounds like the temperature is going to moderate a little more later this week. Uh, the bad news is it uh, doesn't sound like there's a lot of rain in the forecast, so we sure could use a good inch of rain. Um, now, I, you know, we've talked mainly the bad stuff. The good part of this is as far as our growing degree units, which measures the amount of heat units in a 24-hour period, uh, according to the data at Wasik at the research center, um, we're running about 25% normal from May 1st till now uh, for growing degree units. So for any crop that didn't get dinged up by too much water or got planted fairly timely and has had enough moisture, uh, that crop is really doing well with these extra heat units. And there are some beautiful cornfields around as you travel around. But again, uh, it's kind of hit and miss. A year ago, the crop was very uniform. This year, it's not, at least in the southern uh 
third of Minnesota, especially South Central Minnesota. So a lot different than a year ago, but uh, you know, certainly we got some, still have some some potential there if we get the right kind of conditions, especially with these extra growing degree units that we have. Kent, I know you always keep track of like historical uh, the ways historically things have grown and done. Uh, is there any correlation between how the crops are doing right now? Uh, compared to other years and in like when it's time for harvest and, and the yield that they'll produce? Well, there there's some, but not a lot. I mean, uh, you can almost go down the list and you can find years that uh, where the crop conditions uh, uh, look, how they look on the 1st of June and what actually ends up uh, changes quite a bit. Uh, actually, our crop condition ratings nationwide uh, – are um, below where they were a year ago and of course it got dry in many areas a year ago and the crop yields dropped off uh however if you look at uh i think you go back a few years there was one year where the crop ratings were actually lower than this year and we actually had a record yielding it was 2017. now minnesota our crop ratings right now for corn are actually at 80% good to excellent, which is higher than a year ago. Hmm. And I, I find that a little interesting as I've traveled. I, I, I traveled throughout most of southern Minnesota in the last week or so, and I, I question that 80% rating in southern Minnesota, southern <laughs> third of Minnesota, but I do think the crop, corn crop got planted in better conditions and is probably doing better in the central and northern Minnesota, at least to this point. So that's probably where that rating's coming from. But certainly that growing area drought is a concern out there, I think, uh, and the dry weather conditions that we're having. But, you know, I, I'd say, uh, again, uh, we got the crop uh, uh, pretty well in the ground now, both corn and soybeans uh, in most of the Midwest, including Minnesota. So now we're really uh, relying on growing conditions and growing season weather. So uh, a lot will be determined here as we go through the month of June and what we look like. Usually by the time you get to first uh, of July, you got a lot better indicator where your crop's at. <clears throat> and the other thing, when we look at total production nationwide or statewide, a lot depends on how many acres were actually planted. And uh, we don't expect as many prevent plant acres this year, probably nationwide as some years because of the good conditions, but <clears throat> that's always a factor. And then, uh, especially in states like Minnesota, where we had the wet weather, did some acres get switched from corn to soybeans? And USDA comes out with the big crop acreage report based on actual plantings at the end of June. So that's always a important report that comes out. I know we'll be talking about that later on uh, during one of our Talk of the Towns. Kent Tesey joining us, Farm Management Analyst and Senior Vice President from Minstar Bank. Our focus on ag today, we always check in with the grain prices. It looks like they're continuing to drop, did I hear? Yeah, we've continued to uh, <clears throat> struggle a little bit, though they did come up a little bit late last week. Uh, in response to some of that drier weather we're talking about. But we're looking at, um, if we look at prices for this fall for the crop we put in the field, uh, uh, during the month of May, we dropped below $5 a bushel uh, at most uh, local grain elevators and ethanol plants, getting uh, really down in the 460 range in some cases. And for soybeans, we, uh, we also... Uh, dipped down to uh, right at $11 a bushel. 
<clears throat> dropping uh, briefly below that at some local elevators and processing plants uh, in the 11, 11 and a quarter range. So uh, the uh, those prices kind of get us down to uh, probably break even or below break even for uh, many producers. I think with the cost of inputs for seed fertilizer and chemicals, fuel, uh, uh, machinery inputs, as well as land costs. Uh, most farmers are probably looking at break-evens of 5 to 5.50 a bushel for corn and probably somewhere <clears throat> between 11 and $12 a bushel for soybeans. So we're kind of down at those price levels where farmers and ag lenders uh, start to get a little more concerned about break-evens. Now, the good news is... Uh, if uh, it continues to stay dry like it is uh, and demand picks up, uh, crop prices uh, might bounce back up a little bit here. And um, also farmers uh, came off a couple of really good years and uh, were able to uh, generate some extra cash from last year's crop, which uh, uh, hopefully they've kind of kept some in reserve to help get through this year. But uh, certainly the crop prices do not look near as robust as they did a year ago. They're probably uh, corn prices are probably a dollar to dollar twenty five below where they were a year ago, and soybean prices closer to two dollars lower. So uh, certainly a little more concern for crop profitability as we head into later in the year. Kent, let's talk a little bit about the struggles that are in the pork industry right now. I know I did a story uh, a couple of weeks ago on the pork plant in Wyndham closing. And what other what other kind of struggles are we are we having in that industry? Well, I think the plant closing in Wyndham kind of brought, uh, at least in our local region, uh, the whole struggles in the industry kind of in the forefront. Obviously, the fact that. It doesn't just affect the people raising hogs, producing hogs. It also affects uh, workers. I think a thousand workers just placed the mm-hmm. numbers they've quoted uh, out of the plant in Wyndham, and many of them uh, forced to uh, leave the community. It affects not uh, businesses in the community, affects schools, uh, a lot of impacts there. As far as the producers themselves, uh, they've really been dealing with low prices for. Uh, over a year now, uh, in recent months, many producers of the hogs they've been taking to market, they've been losing 30 to $40 a pig due to high feed costs and input costs and low market prices. And, uh, you know, it just, uh, it, it, there's been certainly a excess supply of pork, and that's uh, caused some impacts out there. And, uh, uh, the prices have started to come back a little, but uh, we we certainly need uh, stronger demand. And one thing with uh, the the number of producing sows being cut back, uh, that will probably in the long term kind of help improve the prices and production numbers. And of course, for some producers, disease has been a problem. There's uh, been some ongoing uh, hog diseases that have cut in their production numbers on top of the lower prices. Um, the the other kind of wild card that kind of came in here, of course, in the last month was the Supreme Court of the United States ruling that uh, they up, upheld the Proposition 12 law in California. And for those that aren't familiar with that, about three years ago, the voters of California passed a resolution on a voter amendment that all uh, pork uh, that's sold in uh, 
California, uh, fresh pork needs to come from uh, producing sows that have a certain amount of square feet that mm. is much higher than the industry standard and uh, how the sows are housed with regards to uh, individual uh, crates to hold the sows and that type of thing. And again, most operations in the Midwest uh, are not adapted at this point to meet those standards. So it's going to cost a lot of money to do that. And you got a lot of packing plants uh, that are, aren't set up to separate hogs from different production levels. Uh, so you you got a lot of challenges there. And, and just the state of California consumes, depending on the estimate you look at, somewhere between 10 and 15 percent of the pork produced in the United States. And the state itself produces way under 1% of the pork. So most of the pork they're eating comes from places like Iowa and southern Minnesota. And so there's a lot of, uh, and this goes into effect, I think, either 1st of July or 1st of August. So there's a lot of challenges out there right now in the pork industry to meet those standards and adapt to those standards. And and uh, both all the way through the system from the farm level up through the processing and all the way to the retail level of how that works out and how it's verified. So uh, that'll be an ongoing situation here that the pork industry has to deal with. Well, if people want to keep up to date with any of these topics that you bring up during our Focus on Ag time here on Talk of the Town, uh, the Focus on Ag newsletter is a great way to keep in touch with you. And you said it's a, it's a weekly newsletter. Right. I put out a weekly newsletter called Focus on Ag usually uh, printed on Monday mornings, and uh, if anyone would like to get that free of charge, just send an email to kent.tc at minstarbank.com, or else you can go to the Minstar Bank website and access the information there. All right, Kent, we're going to hope and pray for, well, an inch of rain, you said? Yeah, we don't need several inches, but if we can get an inch now and about 10 days to two weeks from now, get another inch in June, that'd be perfect. As my friend says, we'll speak that into existence then. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, definitely cross my fingers. Always good to have you on here on Talk of the Town, Kent TC. And uh, once again, if you want to get any information on the Focus on Ag newsletter, follow the links right underneath this interview on KTOE.com in the show notes. And uh, anything good planned until the next time I talk to you? Not really. I guess just encourage people to eat lots of pork uh, for their barbecues, <laughs> and it's dairy month, so drink lots of milk and eat ice cream. Hey, it all sounds good to me. Thank you, Kent TC.